Well, good morning, everybody. And good morning to those watching by live stream across our nation and around the world. First weekend. If you can't come to church, we'll come to you. As long as you have a Wi-Fi or an internet connection, just remember it's Central Standard Time. Whatever state or nation you happen to be with and mentally adjust, go to our website, summitsa.com, punch live stream, and you can share that with people. We're already checking the internet. Quite an amazing thing. You can tell everybody watching it in any state, any nation in the world, how many, how long. It's quite fascinating. Good to see you. Terrible weather. We were in Bermudas and short sleeves last night, 82 degrees. And now it is 34 degrees outside with heavy wind and some drizzle and rain. But I'm glad you're here. We're talking about living a legacy. May I say this morning, you have permission from your Creator to live life in a big, magnificent way. We've been talking about living a legacy. That's living larger than your life. You have permission from God to think big, to dream big, to plan big, to love big, to care big, to risk big, to give big, and to take on big challenges. Living small does not honor your great Creator very well. We, we, need, we need a little bit of a Joshua and Caleb mentality around here that says the giants are bred for us. We are well able to take the land. The rest of the majority said we are grasshoppers. This is not Grasshopper Christian Center. This is giant, killing, make a difference summit, Christian Center. If you want to be a pygmy, go somewhere else. But if you're going to link up with this God who says, nothing is too difficult for me, call on me and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things. It's about time we dreamed a little bigger than lunch. We got to dream big beyond our life and into the next generation. In Matthew chapter 25, we have the story Jesus gave, the parable of the talents. I'm not going to read it, but you're aware of it. I'll quote from it. Jesus said, this fictional story has real-life meaning and application. And the real-life application is it's Jesus who goes away, and He entrusts what He has to His servants. Servant number one gets five talents, and he works hard to multiply it to ten. Servant number two got two talents. He works hard to multiply it to four. Servant number three got one talent and did nothing with it. He lived small. He lived with inhibition. He lived with fear and hesitation. Somebody might not like him. He might fail. He was afraid of failure. He suffered from a lack of faith a lack of ambition, and the result was he did nothing to advance his master's kingdom. When the master returned, he said, well done to servant number one. He said, well done to servant number two. But when he gets to Sparky, servant number three, the Lord rebukes him, calls him unprofitable, lazy, and slothful. How would you like that on your resume? Unprofitable slothful, lazy. We don't serve our Creator well when we choose to live small, but it's easy. It's safer to live small. It's easier not to dream or plan. It takes a lot of work, a lot of sweat, a lot of sacrifice to live life big. 
And the moment you decide to live bigger than your peer group or those around you, or especially in the church, you will have all hell go online to criticize you, attack your motive, make fun of you while they sit sucking their thumb doing nothing. You're the one working extra hard going the second mile. It's just easy to sit back, judge, and live small and play the victim. It takes faith, it takes courage to live life big. You know, the greatest offering of our life is to not live small and insignificant. It's to live big for God's glory. The small-minded servant in Matthew 25 had self-imposed limits. That's where most of our limits come from, right between your eyes and ears in your brain and mind. And there are thoughts that have to do with God that are completely wrong, or they're about us or about what is or is not possible. Every now and then somebody comes along and transcends the normal limitations in life. Somebody does what nobody thought could be done. Somebody decides to live larger and bigger than we thought a person could. Uh, Oh, back to the church. You want to talk about small-minded? Orville and Wilbur Wright were bicycle mechanics raised in a Christian home. Their father was an elder and a bishop in a large denomination. He preached at a major conference that if God wanted men to fly, He'd have given them wings. And the theory was that it was impossible and it was absolutely uh, needless. But two bicycle mechanics raised in that home had a passion to believe that there would be a way somehow to get off the ground and fly. And thank God for Orville and Wilbur Wright against all criticism and the thought of the day who came up with the first aircraft that would fly, and today it's taken for granted. I've had the pleasure from Orville and Wilbur on that little piece of rag to fly twice the speed of sound, Mach 2, 1,435 miles an hour at 60,000 feet. That's 25 miles a minute. Thank you, Orville and Wilbur Wright. Yeah. I mean, thank God for somebody that could think big. Well, this is good enough. Hey, a mule is not good enough. Don't you think if Jesus had a chance to jump on a jet versus a mule, he'd have rode the jet? Well, not if he's a Christian. Oh, shut up. (laughs) Albert Einstein, you know, everything has a limit except stupidity. It doesn't seem to have any limit at all. In 1954, I lived in Vacaville, California. Behind our home in a fence was a Ford dealership. All along those days along the fence, covered in wraps, tarps, were the new cars for the new year. In those days, they covered them. They were a secret. They had an unveiling. Guess what car was hidden behind those tarps? The Ford Edsel, the biggest colossal disaster in automotive history. Ford Motor Company spent more money on research and marketing and produced the biggest bomb in history, and they couldn't give them away. Automotive experts from Detroit, however, in 54, went to post-war Germany to check out a little car, a Volkswagen. It was not called a Beetle or a Bug. We changed that name because it looked weird. It was air-cooled, not water-cooled. It had an engine in the rear, had almost zero horsepower, and it was, it was unmarketable for American consumer taste, so our Detroit friends said. You want to know why they go bankrupt? and need a bailout. 
and yet Volkswagen research people decided to market the car. And let me do a little fun survey I've done every survey. How many of you have ever owned or driven a Ford Edsel? Thank you. How many of you have ever owned or at least driven in a Volkswagen Beetle? <laughs> Case closed. You see what I'm saying? Don't trust the experts to know what's best or what's right. They said when the personal computer uh, came out or was about to be innovated, Gates and some of the others, they said, no consumer has any need for a personal computer. Hello. Hello. Who had ever thought? People did, in churches that I went to as a boy, and I'm old, never challenged me to think big. We never had a thought. If we had a thought for the first time, it would have been beginner's luck. Nobody challenged anybody to do anything bigger and greater in those days. I'm trying to tell you that that'll still be true today. Well, I don't think. Well, I don't see how. Well, I just can't imagine. That's the problem with you. You ain't Walt Disney. You can't imagine anything. Can't you imagine a better life, a better marriage, a bigger life, a better job, a better career, a better future, a better church, a better, a whole better productivity than what you see now? If you can't see it, you can't have it. You've got to see it. That's why God gives people vision. Randy Morrison, pastor of Speak the Word Church in Minneapolis, Minnesota, has been here a couple of times. I've been a friend of his for many, many years. He came to this country from Trinidad with his mother. Unfathered, he came at age 19 with his mom. He only had $20 in his pocket. Today, he ministers to thousands of people in Minneapolis, thousands more overseas through a television ministry he has. And what he did, 23, no, let's see, let me add seven years to that. 30 years ago is worth millions today in land and equipment. 23 years ago, Randy Morrison had nothing. He was an alien, he was a minority, and he had no father. And he came here with $20 in his pocket. He did what a lot of people thought was impossible, while others sit around and suck their thumb, feeling sorry for themselves, excusing themselves. Randy just moved out in faith, worked hard, took risks, went the second mile, did what others told him he couldn't do, did more than others asked him to do, and got promoted to the top. Randy told me, oh yeah, I faced racial discrimination. The fact that I didn't have a father, the fact that I was a black man from Trinidad, I had a very, very pronounced uh, Caribbean accent. He said it was an uphill battle all the way. But when I got into the marketplace and started working, I worked, outworked all the guys around me. They never had to ask me to do it twice. They never had to ask me to do something. I initiated it. I went, I went the extra mile. I moved beyond what was expected of the ordinary, and I knew I could over overcome bigotry and prejudice if I was just better than they were over a period of time. And he was, and he was promoted over that period of time. There's just simply no excuse in this country today for you not to have a great life and a big life regardless of your past or your background, your race, or your education. If you wish to do something, God gives you enormous ingenuity, tools, creativity. I told a guy that owns an insurance agency who came out of a drug addiction, a bad life, wrong side of town, unfathered, uh, terrible background, came here, gave his life to Jesus, and over a period of years, wanted to make something out of his life, got a vision, opened his own insurance agency backed by a major 
a major insurance company who funded the deal, paid the price. He was a great salesperson. And I said, you can sell that, you can sell this, you can sell anything. And I said, if I were you at your age and I, and I was in your business, I'd find out who is the leading agent in this city? Who is setting the records in productivity? Go to their office. How do they answer the phone? How does the office decor look? How do they act? How do they dress? How do they talk? Get to know them. Buy their lunch. Do something nice. Find a way to get connected and learn what they know. Because the difference in you and him right now is not size or mental capacity. It's wisdom. He knows something, and he's willing to do something the rest of the guys won't do. If you're in sales, the bottom is crowded. The top, it ain't never crowded. Because most people do just what's expected and no more, and that's about the kind of a life they get. But if I want to find out who the best is, I'm going to talk to the ones that are the best, and I'm going to figure out a way to get connected or listen or learn what he knows I don't know. That's how you get wisdom. Don't hang around losers. Don't try to say, I need a, I'm just, I'm not barely making it. Well, then hang around some more broke relatives. That'll help you. Listen to their advice. Ask people that broker in the Ten Commandments for advice. People that can't stay off drugs, people that can't stay married, people that can't stay in a job or a church, be sure you get their wisdom. Duh. I'm amazed. Find smart people. You can learn from them. The Bible says the difference between success and failure, the difference between seasons in your life is wisdom. It's something you don't know. Proverbs says, the diligent man will stand before kings. That means those in authority. You're diligent. You do the job. I don't have to ask you. You initiate. You do more than is expected or you're even paid to do. In time, you'll be brought before a CEO, uh, a department head. You'll be brought before a president or a governor, those in authority, because they can count on you. And it will promote you to those in authority. If you just punch a clock, sundown and payday, and that's a lick and a promise and just the minimum, you're not going to stand out. You'll get a paycheck, but you won't get much. But there won't be any promotion. But if you're diligent, holy cow, you're going to take off like a rocket off of a launching pad at NASA, Cape Kennedy. Things can happen. Nothing gets done in business, in life, or in ministry without some people who have big plans, big dreams, big faith, and who take big risks. But it's easier just to sit back and look and wish and hope Peter Pan flies in or Tinkerbell and drop some pixie dust on you, and all of a sudden you glow in the dark and life is good. It won't happen. Matthew 5, verse 16, Jesus, let your light so shine before men they may see your good works, not your hairstyle, not what translation of the Bible you're using. Let them see your good works and then glorify your Father in heaven. So people glorify God by living life in a big way. Jesus is saying, if you'll refuse to live small, you glorify me. In John 15, Jesus said, herein is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit. So I don't have to pray about survival can't be God's best for you. Hanging in there can't be God's best for you. Just making it, holding on, I'm doing okay. You know, you're sick of hearing me say it, but that's like kissing your sister. That's okay. Well, that's the life some people have, beige, odorless, colorless, and tasteless. I mean, if you're going to do smacky mouth, you won't go, wow, whoo, hit me with your best shot, fire away. I, this is the, Jesus said, I've come to give you life abundantly. Why are you going to settle for a sucky old, mediocre, calm, ordinary, run-of-the-mill life? 
because you haven't been exposed to giants and warriors. And if you don't expose yourself to God's Word and that people who are ahead of you in every field, you'll never grow, you will never change, ever. And the reaction of the crowd, ladies and gentlemen, is overwhelming, <laughs> underwhelming. So, okay, thank you. A little late now, sorry. Sorry, too late now. <laughs> See, it's not preaching or thumping a Bible that makes you stand out. It's hard work going the second mile, giving hard, loving hard, serving hard by being the best you can be. Forget religious lingo and discussions of end times. Most unchurched people don't understand and don't care. Let me urge you to refrain from trying to be a Bible answer man. But instead, get in there and become a hard-working, second-mile, honest-serving, credible individual day in and day out. Let people see you're amazing. You're outstanding. When God wanted to pick a bride for Isaac, Abraham's son, Abraham commissioned his servant to go get a woman. Now, we do it a little different today, but I, I kind of, as a daddy now, prefer that. But I know I can't sell it in here, so I won't even try. But it is interesting that when the servant went to the right people to get a right wife for his, his master's son, Isaac, what made her special wasn't the fact she was hot, but I'm sure she was. But what got his attention, and there must have been a lot of hotties around the well, well, what made her stand out? Because the custom of the culture was that if a stranger came through, you offered him a cup of water. That was customary. That was expected. That was the tradition. That was ordinary. There's nothing special about it. But when the sucker has got 10 camels on empty, 40 gallons each, 450 gallons, and you're a teenage girl with a well, with a pail and a rope maybe, you're going to have to stand there and run through a pair of shredded pantyhose, mascara running. You're going to be a mess, a wreck. At the end of the day, she says, not only will I get you water, I will water your 10 camels also. And the servant freaked out. He said, I got her. This is her. Nobody else is doing this. Everybody else is saying, praise the Lord, <laughs> waving a hanky, being religious. She's going to spend hours watering these camels, and she doesn't have to, and it's not expected, and she doesn't get paid for it. And those very things that were breaking her back, running her mascara, and tearing her pantyhose were going to carry her into the lineage of Jesus, and wealth and riches were on those camels, and she didn't have a clue when she was watering them. There was any payoff at all, and it brought her before kings and brought her into the lineage of Jesus Christ. What did? Her hairstyle, her looks, her bust size, her waist size? No. The second mile. I'll water you 10 camels too, you greasy guy. You could have brought five. No, you brought 10. But every one of them was carrying gold and jewels and silver and precious clothing that were going to be hers. Don't shoot your camels. Water them babies. They're going to carry you into your future. <laughs> they don't look real pretty, that's for sure. You got to build rapport with people before you put Jesus on them. Be the best you can be. be. Be the best you can be in your career, your profession, and it gives you a platform of influence. Now you can talk about it, but first, you show your good works. So if you want to be the salt and light Jesus said we were to be, 
Let men see your good works. Not dragging in late to the company for work. Not griping about what's going on in the company. Not griping about how there's no money today or this president or that administration is the cause of the problem. If you want to glorify God, then you learn to let men see the good works of your life. That's what it is to live large, to go on the job and do what most people are not willing to do, to live big and to exceed normal expectations. And when most people gripe, you got a good word. When most people complain, you're happy, you're upbeat. When most people can't take it, you can take it. When most people are falling down, you're standing up. God doesn't want us to live visionless and uninspiring lives. He wants us to connect our vision, our potential with His eternal purpose. So if the person who does nothing is the one ashamed, then look at the praise and blessing for the one that God says goes the extra mile. Guess what? The person that did nothing is the one who ought to be ashamed. You should never be ashamed that you are productive and that the reward of your hard work and your sacrifice and effort is paying off big. You owe no one an apology. It is the person, Jesus says, that does nothing with the life and potential God gave them that ought to be ashamed. Not the one laboring who says, I want to make something out of my life so that God can be glorified. The person ashamed is one going to church on Sunday, carrying a big Bible, got religious bumper stickers all over his car, who, who says Jesus is Lord, he can't keep a job, a marriage, he can't stay in church or relationship with people. They just bounce around like tumbleweeds. You have no future. I read a magazine called Life at Work, Blending Biblical Wisdom and Marketplace Excellence. The author Ted Spray writes, there's no place better to discuss spiritual matters than a golf course. He has a book called Golfers of Men. Ted says that on the front nine, I ask common sense questions to build rapport. On the back nine, I ask about challenges in business and what they see as keys to success. Then before the end, I get to the heavy questions and tell them about the bumps and bruises and failures I've experienced in business and in life. And I talk about what I now consider to be the bottom line of life, which is a personal relationship with Christ. Then I give them a small book called Steps to Peace with God. Another guy named CEO of Tyson Food, 1998, former alcoholic and drug addict. All of his life he had been a loser. He gave his life to Christ in May of 1999. He stood up and gave a prayer at a corporate business meeting. When somebody in the audience was asked to describe what his speech was about, they said he went back in his Bible, went back to his past and how he had been led astray. He thanked people in the room for helping him get back on the right path. Then he prayed for everybody there, from chicken growers all the way to consumers in the business. He was passionate. Wow. That's a, it's quite an, a, quite an amazing story about people whose lives have been changed. Matthew 5, verse 16. Jesus said, let men see your good works, not hear your religious testimony and preaching. That comes later. First, live a life that allows you the opportunity to be heard. Do something that sets you apart so that people say, how did you do that? That's interesting. Tell me how that works. You've got to build a bridge to somebody's heart before you can possibly talk to them about Jesus. You know, you never get on an airplane and say, you know, if this plane were to crash today, do you know if you'd go to heaven? I mean, that's not a good way to start a conversation. <laughs> I don't know why they call airport terminals either. That's kind of like, what? <laughs> what? But it's, but it's true. 
I had an embarrassing experience because I've always done this because I read everything, I listen to everything, I go everywhere, I've listened to people, good and bad, so I can talk about almost anything to be interesting to somebody. But I'm sitting on a plane years and years ago, 40 years ago, which would have made me about 30. And Cindy and I were living in Savannah, Georgia. It was Eastern Airlines at the time, which doesn't exist anymore. And I sat next to a guy in an old gray suit, old gray hair, frumpy looking, uh, unimpressive. And he and I rode together uh, on the trip to Atlanta, Georgia. I don't know who this guy is, but we made a nice conversation. It was a hot summer day. We had a cold drink together. And we, somehow we got talking about fashion. Well, I, I was no, nobody not to have an opinion. I had already mastered a book. It had just come out called Dress for Success, John Malloy. I still remember it. And that was before women got the book Color Me Beautiful, where you match color with your skin tone, and color associates power, success with people, with secretaries. And so research proved that certain colors triggered in other people, this is a person of authority or no authority. It wasn't price. It wasn't brand, it was color. And the book suggested that you let research dress you, not your wife. She wants you pretty. But to be successful, it's a, it's a color issue. And I found it fascinating. I remember when Gerald Ford took over as president when Richard Nixon resigned in disgrace. You remember that? Well, Gerald Ford's about the best old boy you could ever imagine, but he wore those old plaid checkered smoking coats with a pipe. That lasted less than three weeks before they got him in a black business suit and a blue tie. All presidents have to look presidential, commander-in-chief. Jerry came out looking like I just had nine rounds with Bob Hope. And they had to change that image. Now, I said all that to say this. I wanted to tell him how to dress and how fashion worked. And he was so nice. He asked questions. I answered him. And then he said, Rick, I'd really like that book. And I said, I'll send you that book. Yes, I will. So he gave me his business card. I put it in my pocket. When I got home that night, I put my change and billfold and everything in my pocket on the kitchen table. Cindy did what she always did, came over to get it and clean it up. She found that card, and I heard a scream like a woman being assaulted. And she said, where did you get this card? I haven't even looked at the card. And I said, what's wrong? She said, do you know who this is? This is 1972. It was Albert Nippon, who at that time was the leading fashion designer of women's clothes in New York. And I'm telling him how to dress. And he's nice. And when she told me that, I said, oh, my God. I remember I went, I went to the office, typed a nice letter, said, Mr. Nippon, I am the hit of the neighborhood and a big buffoon. I had no clue who you were. Thank you for being so nice to me. Enclosed, find the book, I promised. And he sent me back the nicest letter, and FedEx came in and gave her a $500 bottle of perfume by Mr. Nippon. He was later, he was later uh, busted by the feds for trying to bribe an IRS agent on taxes, went to jail. 
I wrote him in jail. I've got in my file eight-page handwritten letter from Albert Napon telling me, Rick, this is the best thing that's ever happened to me. I've gotten my health back, my life back, my focus back. Uh, whatever the loss was, it paid richly. Now, I witnessed to him. He was a Jewish man, but he was very, very grateful and said, my life is better. Thanks for caring about me and for writing me. So I want to find out what you do before I talk to you next time so I don't <laughs> tell you how to do something. And you're already an industry leader. Living large means thinking long-term. Proverbs 13, verse 22, a good man leaves an inheritance for his children's children, but a sinner's wealth is stored up for the righteous. That's two generation, an inheritance to your children's children. And notice, it not only means you're going to pass on to your children what you've acquired, you will position your children to inherit the wealth stored up in the world based on your values, ethics, integrity, your relationship with God, and what you've learned so that the kids can be promoted to get that wealth. Listen to this. When Bernie Madoff ripped off $60 billion, the largest Ponzi scheme in American history, it was unthinkable. That money is still in the earth, folks. It didn't, go, it didn't leave the earth. It paid off landowners, mortgage brokers, real estate agents, contractors, yacht companies, airplane companies, jewelry, fashion, clothing. It paid for a mistress. It paid for a lot of people. That money is still in the earth. Go get it. Get the way to the tops, get off your bottom. Go get it. Get out there and build a business. Get out there and be the best you can be. Find out what is the best restaurant, why is it the best, who works the hardest, and what makes them so great. If you want to find a good restaurant business, go watch Farah over at Aldino's or something. I've never seen a man work harder, produce more growth and more business, and make people want to come in and give him his money. But the cost, work really hard, harder than even the employees that are there. You do it. Well, I'm almost ready for Social Security. Well, you can live big that way, I'm sure. Yeah. I, look, I'm not trying to be a critic. I'm trying to be a motivator. I'm trying to say there's not a reason in the world for you to settle for small. When we have this great big God who says, hey, dude, ask of me anything. What do you want? Nothing's too. I can open the Red Sea. I can make a 90-year-old woman pregnant and have a baby. I can make a 100-year-old man without Cialis have a baby. What's your problem? I can back the sun up 10 degrees. I can move it forward. I can open a Red Sea. I can feed you with ravens. I can do anything. Can you just dream it? Can you think it? Are you willing to try? Come on. Live big, not small. So we have to, leave. We have to think long-term. And think about generations coming after us. That's why we bought 68 acres of land here on Marshall Road. That's why we built this 5,000-seat auditorium. Well, that's why we're finishing off the youth room downstairs and plan to build a full-size community athletic center with three NBA courts on it for our young people and for the community. We're positioning the next generation to come after us, which is why we're doing everything we can while we have our opportunity. You can miss your day of opportunity. Don't miss it. Everybody gets one. This is our day. This is your day. And we've got to do everything we can 
so that when we step off planet Earth this last life, we've left an inheritance that can go on and impact future generations. I want this church to go on long after I'm decomposing somewhere in the ground. I want it to go on blessing another generation, bringing people to Christ, transforming marriages, envisioning young people to take over the world. It can go on and on and on, and you've been a part of that, and you're giving and serving here something that will live on after us. It's amazing how many people walk all over town and never leave a footprint. Who was he? Never heard of him. Nope. Nobody knew you were here. Nobody knew you left. Nobody cared. Well, how hard is that? That's the easy way. Decide you're going to make some impact somewhere, teaming up with somebody, doing something. So it's not only leaving our children what we've acquired, it's positioning them mentally and spiritually to take the territory, to take the wealth, the influence, and power of this world and use it for the good of people and the glory of God. So, you know, we want to create that culture so that our children's children can be a blessing to San Antonio, regions beyond our borders, if we dare to live larger than this present momentary life. And that blessing, that influence, that impact will live on long after we leave planet Earth. That means if I'm going to do that, can't get caught up in living with small stuff, just living in my own little world. But if we live large enough, we can have an impact and take our place in history. We've come to the kingdom for such a time as this. If God wanted anybody else, He could have brought them to earth. He said, before you were formed in a womb, I knew you, called you by name, and ordained you. God put you where you are. You are who you are. You are where you are for why you are. That's your purpose. God didn't make a mistake. You just don't know what the plan was. Wake up and discover this great plan. God wants to do something besides take you to heaven for crying out loud. Heaven's for dead people. It is, dead Christians. I ain't anxious to get in that next load. I don't know about you. I asked an 87-year-old man at my gym, what's the secret of long life? He said, don't die. I said, good enough. Good enough for me. I'll just go keep on living. I'm not interested in that dying in Beulah land and a cabin in glory. I want to use every ounce of blood cell, oxygen, and time I can to make something good in this world. We can take our place in history and make an impact on our region for the glory of God. Why not believe the most highly regarded journalists, photographers for news agencies can also be Christians? influencing society with their emphasis and work, not slanting it left or right, but just doing right. Why not believe the largest companies in our city can be owned and operated by future generations of believers? And no, they won't all be your brand, and they won't agree with you on every subject. But if they've embraced Jesus Christ, that's good enough. Knock it off that you're only going to count as a Christian somebody who believes everything you believe about everything you believe. Because you're going to be wrong about a lot of stuff, but you better be right on Jesus. And I'm just saying, why not put into these companies uh, that are going to be taken over by people with good values? I think Howard E. Butts has probably been the most profound, powerful impact on Texas and San Antonio, who's a man who tithes, who's a man who gives, who's a man who supports every social agency. It's no wonder God's made his H-E-B the most magnificent and the most dominant grocery culture ever. He's everywhere, giving to the poor, helping always, sponsoring teams always. That wealth is used beyond himself that will live, lives on long after him in a legacy. This is a, 
This is a Christian man. Oh, he may not be your style, but I tell you what, I like his impact a lot better than you doing nothing. If you're poor, you're really glad Howard E. Butts is out there giving food. You know, if you're a, a, our sports team, he's a sponsor. I mean, I just think about the criticism people get who do nothing. I mean, you're not an eyelash on a whole body, and yet you've got a big mouth with all kind of opinion. You've done nothing. You're brokered. You couldn't pay attention. You're so broke. <laughs> if you had a vision or a thought, it'd be beginner's luck. So you've got to get beyond surviving into success so you can be significant and have influence. It's not about just getting by. Why not believe future government leaders, local politicians, can come from the homes of successful believing people who instill upon them not issues but value. So they act with integrity. We could send somebody to Washington that says, well, even if I don't get elected, I'm going to act with integrity on what's best for all the people, not my special interest group who's paying my bill. Not. Why don't we? We can't make hard decisions because everybody's bought and paid for, right and left. They're all paid for. Very few can just be their voice because it's a short political career. That would be nice if somebody did. Maybe we'll produce somebody who will. Why not believe that writers and directors could be members of sound, relevant churches in their area who love God and want to glorify Him in all that they do? Let's take the mindset of Joseph or Esther who lived bigger than their own lives so God could promote him to rule a nation, and Esther to save a nation. Not just live in our little self-preservation mentality, but living big and using that success to become significant for the glory of God, becoming lights in our world. The world of athletics was impacted powerfully in the early days by the gospel because some people broke out of the mold, started the fellowship of Christian athletes. People with vision started going into locker rooms. I wish they'd have gone into the Cowboys. I don't know what happened there, but <laughs> praying with the team. And they started having Bible studies with players on the road, teaching them how to live effective lives, how to handle marriage, how to handle temptation that comes on the road, and how to steward these incredible finances they get. We've watched Avery Johnson. We've watched David Robinson. And I'm sure there are many others that came out of a good home with focused moral, who have made a good impact with their lives, their legacy, and their money. So it's possible. But let if you didn't get that, decide you're going to be that for your children and for the next generation. You know, standing outside an abortion uh, clinic with a picket sign and shooting doctors and bombing clinics is a disgrace. That isn't Christian. That's insanity. That's not biblical. We have to think bigger than hatred and violence, bigger than hostility. When somebody suffers a loss, a child in, in was it Wyoming years ago was tied to a fence, beaten to death by some boys who happened to be a gay, I think, high school student or something. And then they had this weirdos that picket the funeral death to fags and horrible uh, epithets that were raised out there standing with picket signs while mom and dad had to go into the funeral of a child they just lost. If I lose my child, I don't care if that child's on drugs. I don't care if that child's, uh, it, you, it's part of your life. They came out of you. And, and Jesus would have been there to give compassion and care to that mom and dad who just lost a child. That would have endeared them to him it's not condoning any activity that's wrong. It's just saying, these folks need compassion, and I am the God who is full of compassion and mercy. I'll be there. I ain't standing over there with a bunch of fools with a sign. They think, Chris, they think that's Jesus. That's not Jesus. That's some fool. You meet the real Jesus, everybody's going to like him. 
Yeah, you are. You meet the real one, you say, man, I can handle that. Well, that's right. That's why the publicans and sinners like Jesus and the, the radical legalistic insiders hated his guts. I just wish he'd show up again today and scare everybody to death. I just wish he would. You got permission from God to live big. That's the key I want you to take away. I mean, to create an inviting atmosphere where we work and play that says, hey, taste and see the Lord is good. It's where we go to work on top of our problems, not griping and complaining. Expect it. But we're living in such a way that offers hope to mankind. I want something worthwhile to remain when I'm gone. That's going to rule out my being caught up in small, petty stuff. I don't want to argue with you about a dumb Christmas tree or an Easter bunny or body piercing or hint. I, that's petty. This is a big, massive world of seven billion people, for God's sake. Get out and get a piece of it with good news. People need to hear some good news. I want to live larger than my own life. Dream big, plan big, give big, risk big. Well, what if you fail? Then I'll be a bigger person even in failure because I tried and you didn't. I might have crashed and burned, but I'm bigger because I tried than you sitting on a fence. Give it a shot. I'd rather have loved and lost than never to have loved at all. <laughs> I'm serious. The only way you got a shot is to try. I tell people in new members class, I'm fallen, I'm flawed, just like you. It's just amazing God would do anything or give me friends that I just couldn't possibly deserve. So you got to know, God knows the heart. I mean, He knows this dude is very grateful just to have a job, uh, especially in this business it, with my background. This is kind of an interesting thing, and I completely forgot what I was going to tell you. But anyway, it doesn't matter. <laughs> Don't live isolated, small lives. Don't just live to yourself. It doesn't serve God well when we do. If you're not connected, if you're not part of the church, which is part of His eternal purpose, you're not living big enough. If you're not serving, if you're not giving, get bigger. Get connected. Grow. If you want to live larger than your own life, connect it with God's purpose in the earth. Last verse, we're through. Psalms 37, verse 27. Turn from evil and do good, and you will live in the land forever. For the Lord loves justice, and He will not abandon the godly. He will keep them safe forever. But the children of the wicked will perish. That means be cut off. The godly will inherit the land and will live there forever. Please notice evil will never take over the earth. Psalms 24 says, the earth is the Lord's, the fullness of it, and everybody that dwells in it. Satan does not own planet earth. He may own your life, but he does not own the earth because Jesus the last Adam bought back what first Adam lost. God gave all authority and dominion to first Adam. He sinned. He fell. Satan picked up that mandate to rule. Jesus came as last Adam, Paul writes, fulfilled the law, died as a ransom for my sin, rose from the dead, gives me and you the same authority now what first Adam failed in. Now you do. Be fruitful. Multiply. Take dominion. Subdue rebellion in your office. Subdue it in your family. Subdue it in your own flesh. Live life big. Satan does not own this earth. Isaiah 9, 6 says of his kingdom, there will be no end. Every kingdom, every king, and every nation rises and falls. God says, mine will never end. 
So somebody has been listening to a lie that we're going to lose. We're not going to lose. We already win. The earth is the Lord's. It's his. And don't you think for a moment he's worried about how things will come out. And if, he, if you won't let him use you, what did Mordecai say to Esther? Then deliverance from someone else will arise. God will say, okay, I can't use you. I'll use somebody else and probably somebody you don't like. We're part of a lasting legacy. So, folks, think bigger. I don't know how religion captured people. Jesus did not mold people into smallness and conformity. We come from different cultures, races, and backgrounds. No problem. What we must agree on are simple values. That's all. If it's biblical, I'm in. If it's your opinion, I don't want to hear it. Don't die for an opinion. You, you stand on Jesus, His Word, and a good plan for your life. It's really not that hard to go to heaven. It's really hard to have a good marriage, live a significant life, and live a legacy on this earth. That's where the battle is. Going to heaven, Jesus took care of that. I just have to connect with Him. But succeeding on this earth, that's the battle. We fight a good fight of faith. Fight it. Live big. Live strong. Live bold. And watch the Creator smile with blessing and reward on your life. For more information on Summit Christian Center, visit summitsa.com.